Chapter 35 Dirty Children, a Chapter on Discrimination And our fourth public comment will be from Mrs. Mancini, announced the deep voice of the chair of the school board for the local public school district. Rihanna Samuels watched from her seat in the back of the multi-purpose room as a tall, dark-haired woman stood up in the front row and confidently stepped up to the podium. The first two public comments had been just okay, focusing on vaccine reactions and the unfair exclusion of kids because many vaccines don't prevent disease spread. Then there had been questions put to the board as to why they were now mandating hepatitis B vaccine for teens when existing law allowed teens to opt out. And Rihanna had been surprised to see the chair of the school board actually respond. They usually just sat there in silence and let the public have their say. Although she and most in the room didn't like their answer. The Department of Education interpreted the new mandatory vaccine law as now requiring Hep B vaccine for all kids, even though an additional statute excludes that vaccine for teens. The new law wins. Rihanna hoped someone would sue the state over this. So that's Sophia Mancini, Rihanna thought to herself, coming back to the present. Pretty, well-dressed, a good spokesperson for our movement. No wonder people like her. She had never personally heard Sophia speak before, but several of her friends had and said she knew her stuff. Rihanna knew it would be her own turn next, and she was realizing now that this woman might be a tough act to follow. Ladies and gentlemen of the board, began Mrs. Mancini, thank you for opening up the floor to comments. I am speaking today on behalf of the approximately 20 students in our school who will no longer be able to attend this school, or any school for that matter, because of the new mandatory vaccination law. This type of discrimination is, but that's as far as Mrs. Mancini got. And Rihanna felt a knot in her stomach as she and the rest of the room saw the source of the interruption stand up from her chair among the other school board members and unleash what she'd been obviously holding back for a while now. Excuse me, Mrs. Mancini, board member Smith nearly shouted, and Rihanna saw Sophia Mancini flinch at the podium and turn uncertainly toward the board member. I will not have you, of all people, come into this room and accuse us, or our state government, of discriminating against anybody. How dare you have the nerve to compare your petty little white people problems to actual discrimination? You have no idea what discrimination is. Order, please, order, the chair of the school board called out using an actual gavel that usually rested undisturbed in front of him. Board Member Smith, please restrain yourself. This is not the... But Alyssa Smith would have none of it. No, I won't sit down and be quiet, Thomas. You should be on my side on this. Our side. Discrimination? I don't see any of us forcing any of these children or their parents to do anything. 
I'm tired of these people parading through here claiming discrimination. How dare they accuse us? Turning her glare back to the victim of her pent-up feelings, how dare you accuse me of discriminating against you? Silence permeated the room as the two women both stood there, staring at each other. The seconds ticked by. Oh dear Lord, thought Rihanna, this is not good. Rihanna didn't even realize she had stood up until she was already halfway down the center aisle, her own speech forgotten back at her seat. She saw Sophia turn toward her, a stricken look on her face, mixed with uncertainty. Rihanna put one hand on Sophia's shoulder and used her other to gently move the frozen woman a few inches to the side so she could access the microphone herself. Mr. Chair, Mrs. Smith, and all the members of the board, my name is Rihanna Samuels, and I believe you will find my name on your list as next in line to speak. Rihanna knew that this board, like all boards, thrived on rules and procedure, and if her name was next on their list, she knew they couldn't object to her interrupting the interruption. Um, yes, Miss Samuels, you are correct. If Mrs. Mancini does not object, you may have the floor. Stay here, Sophia, Rihanna whispered. You aren't finished yet. She watched the woman exhale, clasp her shaking hands in front of her, and relax her shoulders a bit. Rihanna knew every eye in the room was now on her, and she had to represent not only her own people, but her new people as well people whom she agreed were now being discriminated against for a brand new reason. Deep breath. Mrs. Smith, I would like to ask you, with all due respect to you and your position on the board, what on earth does the color of someone's skin have to do with their right to talk about discrimination? What, do we black people have some sort of monopoly on discrimination? Like, are we the only group that can be discriminated against? If there is a group of people here who feel discriminated against, wouldn't you like to know why they feel that way? Who cares what their skin color is? I am against discrimination in all its forms, as I know you are too. We all are. Shouldn't we pause and listen? I know there are centuries of hurt behind us, and I know we still have a long way to go until the color of our skin is no longer used against us. I know this as well as you do, Mrs. Smith. But I also know that one reason racial prejudice and discrimination have lasted for so long is that no one is ever willing to listen. How long did our ancestors plead for the white folk to listen? How long did they beg to be heard? How many centuries went by before Mrs. Mancini's ancestors finally listened to our ancestors? And what good came when they finally did listen? I was scheduled to speak tonight about how unnecessary this new mandatory vaccination law is based on the fact that our unvaccinated kids are healthy and pose no threat to anybody. But now I'm curious to hear more about the discriminatory aspects of this new law. Because you know what? 
all the things that white people used to say about us black folk, that we were somehow contagious and needed to have separate bathrooms, separate drinking fountains, separate seating sections, and even separate schools, and all of these things were never even close to being equal. All those things they used to say about us? Well, now our state government is saying those very same things about my unvaccinated child, about Mrs. Mancini's unvaccinated child, and about almost two dozen more unvaccinated children in our school. In your school, Mrs. Smith. Our kids are contagious, dirty, infected, and dangerous. Too dangerous even for separate bathrooms and drinking fountains. It's better that they just don't come to school at all. If that isn't the very definition of discrimination, Mrs. Smith, then I don't know what is. Mrs. Mancini here might not have centuries of history behind her right to claim that her child is being treated wrongly, but if she feels that her child is the target of discrimination now, I, for one, want to hear why. Mrs. Mancini? She turned toward the woman standing next to her and was surprised to see tears streaming down her face. Hold it together, Soph. Hold yourself together. But Sophia could not, and she started sobbing as this stranger put her arm around her shoulders and gave her a gentle squeeze. Fortunately, Sophia was a fast crier, especially when there was business to be done. Once the floodgates opened, they ran dry quickly and she composed herself after about 15 seconds. A gentleman in the front row handed her a handkerchief, which helped break the tension as the school board chair said something about old-fashioned manners. Alyssa Smith had the decency to appear mildly chagrined. Board members, and Mrs. Smith in particular, and Mrs. Samuels here, Sophia resumed, a grateful smile briefly directed to the woman on her right. I would never, ever in a million years, pretend that what my child and myself are being subjected to today even begins to approach the atrocities perpetrated upon the members of your family who came before you. There is no comparison. There never could be. And I hope and pray there never will be again. And that's why I am here speaking on behalf of these 20 families today and the tens of thousands of like-minded families across our state. Technically, although it matters very little, my family came here from Italy about 60 years ago. So although I am light-skinned, my family are relatively new to the United States in regards to the aforementioned historical atrocities. And even though I personally have never experienced prejudice for who I am, my grandparents sure did, simply for being Italian and daring to immigrate to this country. They couldn't find jobs and couldn't find housing for no reason other than they were Italian. It still doesn't even come close to what your grandparents suffered. But if you are willing to feel some remorse for unfairly grouping me among those who did your ancestors wrong, I am willing to acknowledge that I can never fully understand the gap that still exists between the black and white communities of this nation 
and how that still impacts you and your family every day. Ooh, thought Rihanna, glancing over at Alyssa Smith to see her reaction. Sophia can cry, but she can also humbly hold on to her pride. She saw board member Smith tense momentarily, then nod her head in acceptance of the offered truce. Rihanna glanced sideways at Sophia again. When she gets knocked down, she gets right back up again. Good. Discrimination and prejudice in all its forms is wrong. And what I want you, the board members, to listen to and hear is how this new vaccine law discriminates against a group of us for having beliefs different than yours, and how the fear that we are dangerous is unfairly prejudicial. Prejudice is defined as unreasonable feelings, opinions, or attitudes, especially of a hostile nature, regarding an ethnic, racial, social, or religious group. Discrimination is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people. Families who opt out of vaccination are a social group, and some even opt out for religious reasons. We are a different category of people with different medical beliefs, and the reason that our exclusion from society is unreasonable and unjust is that our children are healthy, clean, and not contagious to anybody. Diseases happen to vaccinated and unvaccinated alike, since most vaccines don't prevent a child from acquiring germs and becoming contagiously symptomatic. There is no scientific evidence that demonstrates unvaccinated children pose a danger to others. And even though an unvaccinated child will occasionally pass a vaccine-preventable illness to another child, so will vaccinated kids. In order for our total exclusion to be just and reasonable, there would have to be clear and convincing evidence of danger from children, from innocent, healthy, and equal children. Our own state's Department of Justice Civil Rights Handbook says that the right to a public education is a fundamental right fully guaranteed and protected by the state constitution. The legislature has enacted numerous laws designed to promote equality in educational opportunities and to safeguard students against discriminatory practices in public schools. Your very own Code of Education prohibits any school activity which reflect adversely upon any person because of creed, color, or national origin. Creed is an idea or set of beliefs that guides the actions of a person or group. The Code also prohibits a school from requiring a student to attend a particular school because of race, creed, or color. Mrs. Smith the children in your family who came decades before you were forced to attend different schools because of their color. Now our children are being forced to attend a different school, school at home, because of our creed. I would like you to tell my child, my Arabella, Sophia reached into her shirt pocket and held up a picture of her daughter, what it is about her that she can't attend the school anymore. Listen, this one law that begins the discrimination against people is just the start. That's often how prejudice begins, 
an idea that a certain group deserves fewer rights. For now, all they are doing is making us stay home. But you know what bill came next, right after this one? A bill that would take decisions about medical care out of the hands of parents and put such decisions in the hands of the state. That's right. If we parents don't cooperate with vaccination, the state could come in and do it for us. Thankfully, our legislature saw reason and that bill is dead. But this is what scares me, the fact that such a bill could even be thought of, that someone in power decided that our society needed such a law. That's how prejudice and discrimination move forward. As Mrs. Samuels put it, her own ancestors' children and the children of many of you here in this room were called dirty, contagious, and dangerous because the people who ruled this nation were afraid of their differences. The injustice of this ignorance, no, stupidity, has haunted our society for decades. We are trying to become one people, and this law only divides us further. I would ask you, members of the board, to accept our children as equal to your own, with equal rights and privileges, and see this new law for what it really is. The room was silent for several moments. The gentleman in the front row stood and walked his second handkerchief over to board member Smith, who suddenly seemed to need one too. Thomas and Alyssa still sat in their chairs a half hour after the meeting had adjourned and the public had filed out. Both were trying to process what had just happened. Samantha Yamamoto, one of the other board members, was still there too and seemed to be busy trying to find something on her phone. Here it is, Samantha exclaimed. Thomas, Alyssa, there is something that really struck me about what that woman said about historical examples of excluding kids from school. This happened to my very own grandmother 70 years ago. She's told me stories of her family's internment during World War II and how she was kicked out of the public school for two years. Later, our own California Department of Education added Section 13,000, the California Civil Liberties Public Education Act that says this, ensures that the events surrounding the exclusion, forced removal, and internment of civilians and permanent resident aliens of Japanese ancestry during World War II will be remembered so that the causes and circumstances of this and similar events may be illuminated and understood. This wording was added to our code so that schools would never kick a group or class of children out of school ever again, for any reason. I remember thinking as a child, how awful that they did that to my grandma. I'm glad we would never do anything like that now. And here we are. We are doing it. Sure, it's not because of race or ethnicity, but it is because of creed and religion, too. This seems both illegal and unethical to me. I've a mind to recommend that we, as a school, disregard that new law. We can't do that, Samantha, said Alyssa. We are a public school. Maybe small private schools could get away with it, but we can't. 
But what we can do is make this as easy as possible for those people. Damn, did I just call them those people? Thomas smiled. Even Alyssa laughed, a rare occurrence in these meetings. And that will start with us removing the hepatitis B vaccine requirement for 7th graders. That one speaker tonight was correct. I checked. Section 2C of the new vaccine law states very clearly, Full immunization against hepatitis B shall not be a condition by which the governing authority shall admit or advance any pupil to the 7th grade level. I know that our own district nursing coordinator has told us that we do need to start mandating Hep B, and all the school nurses have been given that instruction. But I don't know where these nurses are getting their orders, because it's certainly not from the new vaccine law. Someone in Sacramento is actually instructing our nurses to ignore the Hep B part of the law and force it on our junior hires, and that pisses me off. And nothing ever pisses you off, Thomas. That's why you are the chairman. But what kind of person would even come up with a vaccine law like this anyway? Asked Samantha to no one in particular. Denying a class of children the right to attend school? How is that even constitutional? Probably a white person came up with it. I mean, no Asian or African American or Latino would dare, right? Right?